Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Bear Reviews. I'm Sean. I'm Chris. And we're here on an exciting new season, ready for, uh, you know, to see how this goes this year. Yeah, so, you know, as most of you guys might know, we did not post over the summer. Um, that was more, um, you know, a business decision. We tried to reevaluate over the summer, and we built um, this current season. So we have a lot of exciting stuff coming, a lot of plans, and uh, yeah, get ready for some improvements. Yeah, we just took a little hiatus, and we are ready to uh, get back to it. Ready to and rock hopefully, and um, we improve some things that not only for you guys, but also for us. Yes. All right. So first off. One of our new things is we're not going to be releasing multiple episodes over the week. We're just going to be doing one one-hour episode every yep. week, you know, spanning not just side hustles, not just books. Yeah. It's going to have a little bit of everything in one episode, all right? Um, other than that, what else is new, Chris? We're going to be posting on the blog more often. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and get once a week, no promises. We are very busy individuals, so. Yes, and um, during this hour-long, we're, we're aiming for an hour-long episode once a week. Um, we're trying to incorporate, like, different segments that we might have had in the past. So, um, we're going to cover different things and you know, go in-depth on every single thing we talk about. Yeah, not just tips for one episode, not just side hustles for one episode. Everything will be incorporated into one long episode and yeah yeah so i say uh it's gonna be more of like a long form conversation too we're not gonna be just like listing things out we're gonna be talking about our experiences more and going more in depth into um what we're up to and how we get it done so i mean i guess we can just start off what Um, happened over the summer yeah what happened over the summer um besides working on here you know me and Chris were uh, out working on our day jobs. Yes. Yeah. How was yours this summer, Chris? It was, uh, it was a good job. Did good I, job. Made lots of money. I did not make lots of money, but I took experience from that. And hopefully in the coming future, I will get paid more because I put in this time uh, at this job. Awesome. What and else did you do over the summer? Anything fun? Well, another business-related thing. I went to this business. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. But basically a week where I went and met with other like-minded business people. Like a conference. Like a conference, kind of. And we all came together, formed smaller businesses, um, and it was really cool. Good networking opportunity. Met a lot of people that way. Awesome. So uh, you guys all just kind of made like little groups and ran like a small business, kind of? Yeah, ran like a small simulated business, saw who would work best where. We had some elections within the business. I was elected CFO, um, so I helped primarily make most of the financial decisions. I did have a finance team, though. but uh, very interesting stuff. How many people were on your team? It was 16 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was pretty much split like eight and eight. Um, eight people finance, eight people on marketing. Then we had some people were floaters. They kind of went around and did some other stuff. Yeah. How did you guys do? Was it was like a competition. It was a competition. We came in second out of our industry. Uh, they didn't really rank everyone overall, but in our industry, we came second, which is uh, pretty good. People that came in first, they deserved it. They had some good plays, good marketing, 
So. Oh yeah, you were telling me about um your strategy. Yeah. For um your company, you were a shoe company, correct? Yeah, we were a shoe company, but as far as the finances is concerned, the simulated part of it, it didn't really matter. So we um we just did like cost-effective strategy, which is like we would just tried gaining more market share by selling at like the lowest possible price in our industry. Um, so we sold, I don't, I'm not sure the exact price, but we were the lowest price. And then once we gained more market share, we moved into like a luxury brand. So we upped our price, upped our quality all at once, and we sold a crap ton of shoes. So this is a common strategy you utilize by like real businesses. Yeah. So obviously like Walmarts and stuff, they just keep the cheap price to keep the market share. But a common strategy for new players is to come in well below anybody else's cost. Yep. You know, do that for a few years, a couple of years or whatnot. And then jack up your prices a little bit because most of the time you're not going to lose that much of your market share. No. Are we, when we you raise lose, your prices. The only reason we lost quite a bit of market share is because as we were going up in price to a luxury brand, the other companies that were already in luxury dropped down to the lowest possible price. So at that same point, um, we lost a little bit of market share. We we're still in the lead, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so what I did over the summer, besides working, was just trying to, you know, do some investing. I've come up with a new uh, dividend portfolio, which we're going to talk about for a little bit. Um, into that done some other business ventures looked at um, a little bit more e-commerce stuff yeah uh, try to figure that out do you do any options trading uh, I did I did perform a few options trades um, trying to figure that out more Chris knows a lot more about that than I do yeah we'll but, talk about that more later too because this summer I made some money selling some option contracts it's still on selling some option contracts yeah that's awesome so, I mean, I guess we can jump right into that then. Options or your dividend? Options. Let's go with options first. All right. Let's do it. So, um, the option strategy that I implore, um, <laughs> what? Implore? That's a good word. It is a good word. I like that word. So, I like to sell puts, um, mostly because I am on Robinhood. And also, I think being on the sell side of options uh, is advantageous. Yeah, I think you're on the winning side most of the time because the stock price can either go up, well, if you're selling puts, stock price can go up, stay the same, or go down a little bit, and you'll still make money. Whereas if you're buying, a lot of times you need it to move, or you will need it moved. Nah, can't talk. You will need it to move up. You'll need it to move up or down past your break-even price um, in order to make money. Um, so I've executed quite a few trades, um, and so I only have I only put in a thousand dollars into my account um, on Robinhood. So when I'm selling puts, I can only um, sell puts on stocks that are under ten dollars um, because you have to you have collateral when you're selling these things, and I can't do any. Um, uh, what are they called? I can't do any spreads on Robinhood. Because um, you need to get approved for that, correct? Yeah, you need to be approved for that. 
and that I do not have enough experience. But there are some things that I can go around, and um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've done quite a few trades. It's awesome making that making that bread. Just That's this awesome. past week, I'm up. Uh, actually, today I'm up 2.61 percent. Not bad for one day. This month not I'm bad up. At all. This month I'm up 8.52 percent. So tell us about a couple of your trades that you've made, like specifics. Alright, yeah, let me pull that up really quick. Um, okay, a really good one. Okay, where is it? Okay, a good one that I did recently was uh, GameStop. GameStop put, um, you know, I bought one contract at $12, so I got $12. And then about a week, actually three days later, I uh, bought it back at $3, so I made that difference in price. So I made $9 on that contract. So it's just like a few days you can make nine bucks. But if you see, if you do this over um, a period of time, you do a certain percentage of your portfolio, um, it adds up and you make that money. Yeah, it's all about just taking like small wins as much as possible yeah my my whole thing about it is you know win more than you lose exactly like if you are able to win more even if it's a small amount like dollar figure like yeah. nine bucks that will grow into it. and then after a year of doing that you have a lot more money yeah. and you're a lot more experienced and then once you add more money you're able to do those higher risk um not even higher risk but higher dollar amount yeah. trades and, it's, and the thing is when you go to a higher amount it's still going to be the same percentage of your portfolio. That's the whole thing. It's about percentages. Yeah, you only risk like what? One to two percent? Well, I risk... Much? No, I risk a lot more than that. Just because I do have a smaller account. Well, yeah, but, but like... Ideally, I your actual want to risk. risk. Uh, well, yeah, my actual risk. Uh, probably five to ten percent. And that's like... That's a little bit higher than you kind of want it to be, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you are a small account. Yeah. You want to try and grow it up. Take a little more risk. And that way, if you do lose like 5% of your account, it's only 5%. Yeah, it's very true. And you can like easily get a few more wins and make that back yeah. plus some. And if you win more than you lose, it's the same percent. You know, it'll cancel out, but if you win more than you lose, you'll make that money. And you want to make smaller losses. Yeah. Like you always want to have like some way to limit your loss as much yes. as possible. And I mean, same thing when you're selling puts, um, you have a maximum profit. So a really cool thing that um, I don't know, I like to think about is like my maximum profit is twenty dollars. If right now I could buy back this contract and get fifteen dollars, like a week early or two weeks early. So I could get those that $15, and then, you know, I'd go and take that money that I just got back, free from the collateral, i make another trade, and maybe two weeks later, i make another $15. So I made $30 in the time I would have made just 20 That's also the thing, like, is it worth just making that $20 and leave your money in there that whole time? Yes. When you can just take the 15 guaranteed. Yeah. And then, you know, utilize that money that you had tied up to make even more money. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of trades where a lot of people are, are skeptical. But 
I don't know. It's you gotta you gotta think where where is this stock gonna go? Is it gonna go up or down? If you think it's gonna go up, you have a couple options: sell, put, buy a call. Um, if you think it's gonna go up a lot, I would I would definitely buy a call rather than sell a put. But if you think it's gonna be above a certain price, like you can control that. And if it's not, then you buy that hundred shares of that stock. So another strategy I want to talk about with selling puts is that some people say I wanted to buy like Ford, like I want Ford, um, but I might not want to at this price, maybe I want to add a discounted price. So what I'll do is I'll sell puts out of the money. So I'm collecting premium and then by the time it expires, say the stock price, like say I had like a $5, just make it easy. $5 put, I sold it, collected like, I don't know, 25 cents. So break even is 475. Say the stock price of Ford drops like to 475 or 450. You know, yeah, I lost money, but now I have um, these these hundred stocks of Ford for a cheaper price. And plus, if I bought it at the current price beforehand, it would have dipped below anyway, and I would have lost even more money. So you're losing less money, and you still have those shares. But the thing is, a lot of times people will just like, I want Ford. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to sell puts until I get Ford, and they just keep collecting premium until Ford drops below their break-even price. And then they did get Ford at a discounted price because you take all those premiums before, um, and it lessens the value at which they bought Ford. And there's like, for like $5, and Ford's at what, 9 right now? Yeah. It's crazy the amount. Like, the probability of Ford dropping that much yeah. is pretty much zero. But people might still trade it. And the big thing about selling these things too is you want to look at, there's, there's some things I look at. Um, I look at um, implied volatility. I look at volume. I look at strike price. Those are the three most important things for me. So implied volatility will, if it's super high, that increases the premium. Um, so I'll collect more money for less risk, which is you know awesome. So you always want to look for the high implied volatility trades. Plus, there has to be volume in these trades. Um, a lot of people don't understand that. If there's no volume, the trade will never be executed. So you have to have these trades, like for option trades, I usually do above 100 is like my limit. Cause you know, a trade can go through just like that. Um, yeah, pretty solid. And implied volatility, I like it like above like 120 and up because um, the contract is worth more than it really should be. And tell people what implied volatility really is. I mean, for me, what it really is, I, there's there's like an actual definition, which I can get. But for me as an options trader, um, what I look for, why I look for implied volatility uh, is because it inflates the premium price. So, but implied volatility really means um, the value of the volatility in the underlying instrument. So. It basically how far away 
the option price is expected to move. Yeah. And so if the implied volatility is high and the uh, premium price goes up, then you're, if you're selling, you're collecting more yes. for the premium, which is exactly what you want. Yep. That's exactly what you want. You're collecting more premium for a less risky contract. Solid. Solid. And also, there's like a certain range at which you want to, uh, you know, execute these contracts. So, I typically work around like the 70 to 80% um, range, probability range, where it will be in the money um, or above my break-even price. Because anything above my break-even price, I get, or not break-even price, contract price, I get max profit. But um, there's still even below that where I won't collect the maximum profit, but I'll collect uh, somewhere in the middle. I'll still make money, basically. Um, what else? Oh, um, there's a lot, of, there's so many things about, um, we're gonna be talking about this again, obviously, but uh, there's a lot of people that go full-time option trading, and uh, it's a great way to leverage your money um, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not certified in anything, any finance way at all. So, talk to a financial, financial planner uh, or someone. I don't know. And that's um, that's gonna be me one day. It's gonna be Sean one day. Come talk to Sean. One Come day. study. Yes. Um, um. Yeah. Would you like to talk about dividends now? Yeah, I guess I'll talk about dividends. Um. So real quick for options, I think that's a great idea, and you are planning on keeping to do that, keeping on doing that. Yeah. So I'll keep you guys updated, of course. You know, we make that. Bread. I'm sure we'll talk about it in other episodes and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but for dividend trading, I just thought I would get into it because it's a great way for like your portfolio to grow without you really having to do anything. You know. Yeah. So my whole thing is, yes, you need a lot of money to get into it, to actually start to see high, like, hundreds of dollars a month, yeah. or something like that. But, like, right now, my my account's just growing by over a hundred bucks a month. I mean, a hundred bucks a year. Yeah. Just for having $3,000 in there. Yeah. Plus, but, you also got these capital gains. Exactly. So, like, my account's growing over 3%. Closer to four with me doing nothing. Yeah. I'm just sitting back in there collecting cash, which then I can reinvest. Insane. Alright. So my plan with this is once I get, you know, like that twenty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, all that stuff, all that amount of money in there, I'll be making so much more money monthly and yeah. yearly that I can just keep reinvesting that money into the same exact stocks which will then increase my monthly income over and over again. And that's pretty much what I would like to do. And eventually I would like to be able to like, you know, supplement my income with this. Like maybe if I have enough money in there eventually I'll be able to just live off of my dividends every year. Yeah. For I mean, years and years to come. A big thing that a lot of dividend investors say is they just want their dividends to you know, outweigh their cost of living, which is like for their expenses. 
So exactly. that's like a huge thing. And then they, they use that other income that they receive through work and stuff for whatever else they want. They could even put that into more investments. Exactly. Uh, but it is a really, it's a long-term thing. Um, it is. This is like a 30-year, 40-year play right here. Yeah, but I mean, no one, as Warren Buffett says, like no one wants to get rich slow. But dude, that's what I'm doing. Look at Berkshire Hathaway. You know how much money they make from dividends? Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Like they could feed a whole country with the amount of dividends they make. It's it, yeah, very true. Literally, but they could probably buy a whole country <laughs> with the dividends. Oh, most definitely. But recently, what I've been doing for um, finding these dividend stocks is I've been looking at companies that have a long history of paying dividends consistently without slashing them. Yes. Alright. So, they don't need to raise it every year or every quarter. Yeah. But, I want to see a consistent payout every single quarter or month, depending on what I'm invested in. Yeah. And basically, I'm splitting these up not just I'm diversifying, really. Not just in, like, owning REITs or owning like one type of stock yeah I'm looking for different sectors so that goes for healthcare to retail to you know just like consumer staples pretty much yeah um financing like banks a few banks like JP Morgan has a decent dividend um and then I go into REITs which I think are also a great way to invest in real estate great opportunity um yeah, I mean, I, I really, at least I'm talking about diversification. I just want to hit that really quick. So, you know, diversify your life, not just like your investments. So if I'm a homeowner where I own a lot of real estate, you know, I would go, like say I own like 12 properties. Um, I don't think me personally, I wouldn't invest into REITs. I would try to hit other sectors. Um, and you got to think, like right now, me, I don't own a home. I have nothing to do with real estate right now, so I could look into REITs, uh, see if that market is going to be good for me. Um, but if I'm a real estate agent, you know, I want to diversify my life. I want to go into different sectors. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Sean? Like, what diversification, really? Yeah, just like if I'm a real estate agent, I probably wouldn't invest in REITs. Like personally, that's how I would think. Well, about it depends it. if you own real estate. Like, just well, yeah, being yeah. an agent doesn't. Well, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. But so, if your whole life is your income is yeah, from real estate. If you estate. already have like a, a duplex or a quadplex or whatnot, yeah. you should definitely be diversifying in other securities such as you know stocks and bonds yeah. and all that stuff. So I'm not just buying all these dividend stocks. I'm also in some growth stocks, some longer term stocks, some shorter term stocks. Yeah. All of my money is not going into that. Exactly. So, besides just REITs, you know, and like all the different sectors you want to be in, besides just all the sectors, you want to, you know, take some money out of there, invest in some, you know... CDs. Not CDs. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But like, go out and invest in real, real estate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, own an apartment or something, a condo where you rent out and make some money. Like, yeah, it's a higher cost investment, but it will pay out pretty decent most of the time. If you do your research and find the right property, 
and all that. Which is what I would like to get into eventually, but right now... You need that capital. Yeah. So, diversification. One thing I want to say about, like, if you have a portfolio and you're only invested in, let's say, a couple stocks, like Apple and Facebook. Yeah. You're not diversified. You're not. You need to own... Either just buy, like, an ETF that tracks, like, the S&P 500, the total S&P 500, or, like, a Vanguard ETF or something like that. Yeah. Where you're tracking all these different companies, because that's, like, instant diversification. Right. Well, yeah, there's also, like, like the Vang- there's a Vanguard REIT uh, that's, like, a collection of REITs. <laughs> and yeah. And that's, like, the same thing. Actually, outperformed the, outperformed the SPY. And so... So, you want to, like get into those things where you're diversifying automatically or you have to own at least 20 individual companies all in different sectors so that's kind of what i'm doing with my portfolio like i'm not i'm also invested in ets where i'm tracking the whole market or just the top 500 s&p 500 yeah um but i'm also in you know single single companies that i think are going to outperform and pay the best dividends throughout yeah. So one thing I've been looking besides length of history in that is like, are they in good financial standing? Uh, you know, just doing my regular fundamental analysis on the company, see if they're actually going to grow. Um, an important thing for dividend stocks to look for is their payout ratio. Yeah. So the payout ratio is basically you're seeing how much of their money they're paying out to the stockholder. So if they're paying out 90% of their income to stockholders, what does that mean? Well, it probably means that they're a REIT because REITs are required by law to pay out 90% of it. No, like, let's... <laughs> a normal stock. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know anyone that's doing that, but like... I knew that. Above 75% they're paying out. Yeah, it's, that's insane. It means that they literally are not growing. You understand they like just, they want more investors. they're not investing any of their money any of their profits that they make into growing the company or new ventures or any of that yeah. they're just giving it all to shareholders yeah which is not exactly like yes you want a decent payout ratio so you're making money off of the company but you also want but, some capital gains as well yeah time. you want the company to grow as well and get that because honestly like like i said i'm only making about a little less than four percent on my dividends and that's not the type of growth i want to see in my account no. you know i want to see at least eight percent every yeah. year no. so yes it helps to have that thing that uh dividend income coming in yep to grow but also you want your account to just grow naturally through the growth of all your uh shares yeah and i mean Honestly, dividends, it's its amazing how many people, like, um, they start so young and they start putting in a little bit of money and they start reinvesting the dividends back into the same couple or their same portfolio, same ratio for all their stocks and stuff like that. And then by the time they're hitting 40s, 50s, um, you know, they're starting to make some decent money from this and supplement their income. And it, it grows exponentially. Exactly. That's amazing. Like if you're making that four percent, it's actually adding four percent of that money into your account. Yeah. So. And like, there's there's different types of like payouts too, because some can pay out like 
you know, quarterly, which is the most common. And there's some that even pay out monthly, which is like really cool. I mean, I, I think that's that's amazing. Yeah, like uh, for example, one company is a uh, uh, Apple Hospitality. Re- yeah. They pay out monthly, and you know, it's just like one little thing. Like, if you get that every month, it feels nice. Forget what they pay out. It keeps your it keeps your head in the game too, because you see that money coming in every month. You're okay, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, some people set up. Um, because quarterly obviously means you know quarterly so some people will get different stocks that pay on different months so they are getting some sort of dividend every single month but with the Apple one um, it is literally every single month I think they only pay like three or four percent but it's still that's good though it's still like, that's where you want your target range to be around three to four you know yeah you'll have fewer at four a couple at two maybe you want to have it around that three to four percent um, for REITs. That's, that's a little low, but it's still um, it's still pretty decent for every month because you can get that money and say you buy like another share. You know, if you got have enough shares, obviously. Yeah, and those are just the type of things that a lot of people will set up ways where they get. Did, I, did you say this already? I'm not sure what you're saying. Where you uh, reinvest? No, where people set up, they buy like four different companies that pay out every quarter. Oh, yeah, I did that, yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> so they are getting something every month, but... Yeah, so that's like one way to do it, or like we said, monthly ones. Um, there's just a lot of great stuff you can do with dividends, I think. Yeah, and we're definitely going to be talking about dividends more in the future, obviously. Um, we'll share our stories, see how... Uh, everything's going and uh, yeah so let's move on to the next thing um, I think there's a, actually uh, I think Sean wants to share a quote that uh, we found I do this is, we're gonna do a new segment where we do a quote of the week yes all right and funny funny enough me and Chris found this quote from a fortune cookie yes and we actually really liked it yeah you know loved it so the quote is, he who hesitates is last. Yeah. Now, we know it's short, it's sweet, but, but it really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Correct? It makes so, so much sense. Delve into it a little bit, Chris. Anything? Basically, so I like to think about this and apply it to like my own trading life. So if I look at these option contracts, you know, by the time... Say I wait, I look at the contract. I'm like, oh man, I really want to do this, but I just want to see how the stock does. By the time I think that, and I wait a week or so for the stock to move, um, the value of that contract has already changed. So uh, either it's gone down a lot, I would have made that difference. So I, I just think about it like that. Like, I'm last, I lost money, I didn't get that trade. So you want to do your research, obviously, but... You know, once you have everything together and you think it's going to be a good trade, don't hesitate, you know? I like that. Yes. Definitely is a good thing. You don't want to hesitate, but you still want to do your uh, due diligence, (laughs) but you don't want to, like, I don't know, wait a week to see what happens, you know, because then it could just completely change. It's very true. Um, Unless it's bad news. Well, but fake news. (laughs) For this, I like to think about, like, just life in general yeah. you know 
a lot of people are stuck in this like rat race as they say and to get out of it you gotta stop hesitating you know yeah. you gotta take that chance go do what you wanna do in life and that's what I really uh, love about this quote cause honestly you're gonna finish and last you're gonna be you're gonna hate your life <laughs> and <laughs> go do what you love it'll make life a lot better yeah I definitely I mean if there's even if there's like a, like a sport or something you know, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I, if I'd be good at it or something. Like, go try, because um, if you don't, you'll end up regretting it. And uh, and even just join clubs, even when you're older, always yeah. stay learning. We always like to promote lifelong learning on lifelong this learning. on this show, and you know, getting big. So, yep, season two, get big. You gotta get big. That's what we do. You know. Um, um. Other than that, just stay after it. You know. Yeah. So, there is something else that um, we would like to talk about now, which is like a current event. So, the current event that um, we would like to talk about is Johnson and Johnson getting sued five hundred and eighty million dollars. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I believe it was five eighty million, five hundred eighty. Yeah. It is just crazy we watched this trial happen in oklahoma we weren't actually there but we were keeping up on it yes this is like a breakthrough case kind of because no one's really actually tried to you know sue the pharmaceutical companies producing these opioids that are just running rampant through our country yeah you know what i mean and i mean it's for me it's a little strange oh it's 572 million so yeah close enough. that's the exact number but um a lot of people are saying that this could just be the beginning for these pharmaceutical companies a lot of people say they get away with a lot um and this could be like the start of a harder crackdown i mean it's a lot of people foreigners when they come to america a big thing they talk about is how many drug commercials there are on TV and how strange that is. Um, in America, it's a huge thing. You know, everyone takes drugs. Like, you need drugs to sleep. You need drugs to do everything. Wake up. And um, <laughs> you just this is like a crazy trial, though, where I think more drug companies are gonna end up getting sued. Yeah. Well, and... Johnson and Johnson is trying to fight this, and they're appealing it right now. Um, to try to say like they weren't the only company and as far as market share of these like opioid drugs that got out like they're right they they were a small percentage they were a minority in yeah. Oklahoma I believe they were only like six percent yeah and of the opioid but it still happens you know yeah I mean it's it is crazy um, they okay so Oklahoma settlement Suggests future damages could total 37 billion um, across the whole country. So that means every pharmaceutical company that sold anything with opioids is going to get screwed if it results in someone's death. Um, there's going to be a lawsuit, and if this lawsuit doesn't get appealed, appealed is not successful, then I, I believe definitely 
pharmaceutical companies are going to be under a lot more scrutiny. Um, they're for a while they were floating on top of the world. You know, they kind of they kind of got away with a lot of stuff. And yeah, I'd like to see what happens. You know, yeah. like if they stop doing drug commercials or um, as many. Yeah, see where their many, money is. Um, where if they just start like being like nice guys, you know, <laughs> like they have a bad reputation kind of for like. I mean, ripping people off, yeah, and not just ripping people off with drug prices, but also selling these opioids that they know are addictive. Yeah, and that—that that was the thing. That, that was a big thing. They were their marketing campaigns didn't um, didn't, didn't say. really say the dangers that they already knew about. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so much money in drugs. Uh, that there's a lot of power as far as like political power as far as all this stuff so it's it's gonna be really interesting definitely keep your eye out on other pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies that could possibly be you know under you know under scrutiny scrutiny more lawsuits are coming keep your eye out for that should be interesting should be very interesting. Um, another uh, current event that I was just reading up on earlier was, uh, it's really an IPO. Um, Peloton is has released documents for its planned IPO. And for you guys that don't know what or who Peloton is, um, Peloton is a huge, they're really like a gym equipment manufacturer. Yeah, and they sell this, but they also sell subscriptions for uh, gym videos, uh, mostly for bikes, bicycles, and I believe ellipticals. I think it is. Yeah, ellipticals. That was their huge thing, I think. Uh, I'm pretty first. sure it's like the stationary bikes are the big thing. Yeah. Um, but I was reading they've had losses over the past few years. They released, um, but their subscriber base has been growing. They, if you have one of these and you pay for the subscription, you get the video right on the bike yeah i think it's a few bucks a month or something like five I think it's or like, something i thought it was like 15 i was fi- it I might be 15, 15 yeah. yeah and i know there's a lot of people there's still like the fitness craze is still going like people think it's like starting to die down no it's it's growing uh more people are trying to get in shape uh there's a lot of people especially in america like a little overweight um and there's a whole movement to try to get moving again and I think that's I think it's a great thing. Um, yeah, if I mean if you just look at the number of gyms, no matter what type of gym it is, yeah, whether it's a yoga studio, CrossFit, anything, they have like quadrupled across the United States over the past I don't know seven long. years. Yeah, yeah. honestly, it's it's insane. It's yeah. There's and just so many new gyms. The great thing about subscription services is like. Uh, this is just in general subscription services a lot of times people will use it for the first like however many months and then eventually they don't use it as much but they're still paying that $15 a month um, just to use it not as often and stuff like that so Peloton is making bank um, yeah and we'll find out soon the big reason they're still making losses is because they're like all the advertising and trying to get everyone involved yeah. with their equipment. I think they're trying to grow the subscription more than they are selling bikes at this point. 
Yeah, so I mean both they want they need to mm-hmm. rise and this is just a way for them to, you know, get that money um, rolling in and put it really, back. Really go. Yeah. They are gonna have class A and class B shares. Wow. Class A has one um, each share has one voter right and class B has twenty votes for per share. Wow. So that's just something interesting. And what did you say? I was expected. Um, I d- it didn't say actually. I didn't say. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also in the world of business, Altria and Philip uh, Morris have been talking about a merger. So if you don't know, they are like cigarette makers, uh, tobacco companies, and there's been news that they are in advanced talks. Uh, to merge which would really reunite two of the biggest tobacco companies out there wow um so obviously tobacco the industry has been shrinking kind of moving into electronic cigarettes and stuff like that more um really because for health reasons obviously well Um, there's even i mean as far as vaping and stuff goes, a lot of people are using that to get off of like the traditional cigarettes. But there's still a lot of uh, like nicotine issues that can happen. There's still a lot of stuff like that, um, and it's not all completely regulated yet. They say like a lot of this stuff is past test, but there's still a lot of people getting sick and uh, having to go to the hospital for vaping stuff. So. Um, they're still trying to regulate that, which is pretty, pretty key, but it is still for health reasons that more people are moving to vaping. Yeah, it's definitely better than, like, just doing the, using tobacco. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I just think smoking in general, like, whatever you're smoking is gonna really, like, damage your lungs. Yep. In some way. Some shape or form. So, like... That's what people are trying to wean off it a little bit, so that's yeah. the way that they're... And the crazy thing about this merger, though, is, like, they were split apart in 2008. Yeah. Alright. So now, if they are able to come back together, you know, it would create a market share of roughly $200 billion for the company. That is... Which is crazy stuff. Crazy. Um, obviously, there's risks... But there's motivated. They're motivated. Like Jewel, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of them owns Jewel. Um, that is like the biggest e-cigarette company, I guess, out there right now. Yeah. So it could be beneficial for both. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, and keep you updated, I guess. Um, there's also something I like to bring up. This is just a. Uh, conspiracy theorist segment. So, um, a lot of conspiracy theorists claim that Steve Jobs is alive and um, in Egypt. So, there's like a photo that like just emerged and uh, looks exactly like Steve Jobs in Egypt. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I have seen this. A lot of people say he's like, the posture is exactly how he would sit and stuff like that. So, I don't know. That's just something I would like to bring up. It's kind of funny. I don't think it's true, but... Yeah, I doubt it's true, but... There's something. Definitely not. Alright, so moving on 
to our last segment. I have, I want to, you know, like, try and get you guys motivated to read a little bit more if you haven't, if you've been slacking. You know how it is. Yeah. I've read multiple books over the summer. It's been a good summer. Good. Enjoyed reading them. Um, but I want everyone else to read, too. It opens your mind. Um, and, like, I'm not talking about those, like, you know, like, romance novels or anything like that. No. I'm talking business books, life books. Yeah. You know, just help you all around. If you want to learn something, go read a book about it. Sean, you know what books I've been really, uh, really, uh, shoot, what am I trying to say? Interested in? Interested in. Is, uh, there's a lot of books just about, like, small business and, uh, just entrepreneurship. And they're, like, not that long of books, but you can literally go to, like, Barnes & Noble, pick it up, sit down, and read through it, um, in, like, an hour or two. But those books are like, so, it's about mindset, really. And that's what is really, I don't know, it helps It helps you get motivated as far as making money and starting your own business. And I think that's, that's something pretty important. Um, exactly. So, like, here's one book that I want you guys to, like, maybe go read. Go sit down at Barnes & Noble and read it. You don't have to pick it up today, but go out and read, alright? It's called Nine Lies About Work, and it's a free-thinking leader's guide to the real world. And this is by Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall. So, here's a little description, and I'll read it for you. My favorite lie about work, obviously. The best people are well-rounded. Alright? Actually, the best people, in terms of output, performance, and engagement, are always lopsided. They do a few things incredibly, but almost exponentially compared to others well all right so which is the strongest predictor of a team's productivity is that each team member says yes to the semen to the semen i have the chance to use my strengths every day at work all right so matching strengths to work whether of the people on your team or for yourself will inc- increase productivity and job satisfaction yeah I, I think that's so important especially realizing strengths is an important thing because you know not everybody is good at everything that's exactly what you just said but you know double down on what you are good at yes see what you are really good at and you know use that to your advantage like um if you're really good at talking or like leading like i mean there's so many opportunities for you in an office place even if the main focus isn't about you but you can help lead the discussion lead lead the team lead the team even if you aren't the best at understanding like the financials, um, you can still help lead these people into doing different jobs and different things. And as a leader, um, this is another thing, as a leader, it's important to realize people's strengths. And I mean, that comes over time, obviously, but still, you wanna figure out who's good at what. And, uh, and that's the most important part about a team. If you can have certain one member in, in, in the team that's good at every different aspect, you got it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know what I mean? Get that work done, baby. Get that work done. And that's like, especially for a small business, I think this is a great book to read because you're learning, you know, these little lies that, like, people think about. You don't just need a well-rounded person. No. I think that's, like, so important. Yeah. Because if you're, if you're just, like, good at everything, like... You can't be great at something, 
well, you can't be like extraordinary at, you know, this one thing. Maybe you need a couple people that are extraordinary at different things. So, I don't know. You're not, and you know, no, nobody's good at everything. Uh, everyone has different strengths. Exactly. And if you have one per- person um, with that is great at it, every aspect of your like one person is good at this aspect, one person is good at that. Aspect. Yeah. Don't make your team outperform any other team. Very true. Pretty much. Yeah. So like here, like maybe Chris is good at talking. I'm good at like researching. Yeah. Our new team member is good at marketing. Yep. You know how it is. By the way, we did get a new team member. Yes. Yep. She's awesome. Very good. Helps with uh with uh social media social media so if you guys ever oh yeah let's talk about social media real quick um check us out instagram twitter facebook uh we're gonna be posting a lot more showing a little bit more behind the scenes what's going on if you check the story from yesterday once you guys are hearing this you'll see how this episode was made um you'll see a little bit behind the scenes See what shirts we're wearing? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, See the stew? Stew. We got a giant bear in the studio now. That's pretty cool for bear reviews. Um, If you want to check us out on Instagram, our our name is uh, Bear Reviews. Bear Bear. underscore reviews. B-A-R-E underscore reviews. (laughs) Other than that, you can check us out on Twitter at Reviews Bear. Spelled all the same. Yeah. I mean, do it. Check out the blog, bearreviews.blog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the blog, I know we already talked about it, but uh, there's going to be some changes coming, so uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, and I would say, you know, just go check it out and see what content we already have on there. But uh, I would say check it out now, and then come back in a week or two, and you'll see the differences. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just going to be trying to improve quality, not just for the podcast, but for the blog, yep. putting out more content. And by doing like an hour long episode every week now, we have more time to, you know, spend on the blog and not just post once a month or once every few months because we get back. Yeah. Posting like once a week, you yeah. know, and that's just a great thing about this. <laughs> I hope you guys are excited for a little bit longer episodes. Um... You know, I, I think this is so important because, you know, a lot of people take the time to listen to us, and I think that's really cool that um, people are really appreciating what we do. Um, anything else you would like to talk about, Sean? Um, other than that, you know, please reach out to us. Don't be af- afraid. Uh, we'd love to hear if any suggestions you have, comments, concerns. Yeah. Love to hear it. Yeah. Other than that, I'm good. I mean, also, I want to say that uh, we really, really do appreciate your support. And, you know, I know we got we kind of took a, a break over the summer. Um, I, was, I think that was just a really discover um, what we're going to do this season on the podcast um, and really develop some things. You know, we have a lot of plans coming, and I'm excited to share that stuff with you. Um, yeah, basically, check out everything. <laughs> Instagram, uh, Twitter, 
vlog. We already mentioned all that. But we're excited for you guys to be here. We're excited to be here. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. And we will catch you next time.